Good morning and welcome to Over the Bar on West Cork FM. Sean Holland is my name and we have another busy show on the cards today and we'll be hitting the fairways later on with our special guest over in the States. But to start, we'll begin with matters close to home and the renewal of the inter-county action and the start of the National Leagues in where it was all hurling last weekend. On Saturday, Limerick and Tip played out a draw which finished 20 points each. Limerick were sporting a hooped green and white jersey to commemorate 100 years since the county's first Lee McCarthy triumph in 1921. Limerick actually started off the better and finished the stronger, but Tip actually dominated for large parts of the contest. It was Jason Ford who was actually as close to perfect as you could be, scoring 14 points in total. The two teams never really got out of second gear, and with both having all-stars in abundance on the bench, both know that there are bigger days ahead during the summer. Then Kilkenny overcame Dublin by a scoreline of 120 to 18 points. In what was a nip and tuck encounter, the sides were level after the second water break, but the Cats pulled away inside the final quarter, scoring 1-4 without reply. Dublin weren't helped by the sending off of their influential man Liam Rush for a second yellow, but would probably be pleased with their first 45-minute performance, sticking with the Leinster champions all the way. So then on Sunday, in the earlier game, Antrim produced the shock of the weekend to defeat Clare on a scoreline of 121 to 22 points. A goal from Kieran Clark proved the difference in what was an eye-opener for a Clare team that is facing many issues off the pitch. Now this result is adding to the pressure within the county, both inside and outside the white lines. And this weekend, the sight of Davy Fitz and his band of yellow bellies will make for intriguing viewing. So then later on in the evening, Cork managed to beat Waterford down in the park by 5.22 to 1.27. Jack O'Connor, Shane Kingston, Robbie O'Flynn and Alan Connolly all scored the maximum on Sunday with what looked like a renewed impetus on goals as we here in Cork have struggled in recent years, especially in the league, to raise the green flag. And to be fair to the young Cork team, they came out and looked sharp from the start, and there was constant movement and slick touch was a real hindrance to the frail Waterford defence. Cork laid 1-12 to 8 points at half-time, and hammered home their advantage deep into the second half, scoring three goals in the final five minutes. Waterford, of course, then were out without their big names like Tyg de Borca, who did his cruciate last December, Jamie Barron, and the ever-influential Kevin Moran. But this really shouldn't put down what was a very promising start from the Rebels, and one can only hope they followed up with a performance against Tipperary this evening. And finally, in the other games in Division 1, there were comprehensive wins for Wexford and Galway, beating Leash and Westmead, respectively. So then moving on to football, and Manchester City were crowned champions of the Premier League once more. In what was a foregone conclusion at this stage, due to their incredible run post-Christmas, the blue side of Manchester makes it their fifth title and third in four years. And with the Champions League to come, it could go down as one of the greatest seasons in the club's history. And with that title being wrapped up, the race for the Champions League football places is only hotting up. With Chelsea defeating City in the Champions League warm-up game on Saturday, one would have thought that they would be home and hosed, only to fall in midweek to London rivals Arsenal, opening the door for Liverpool, who managed to overcome Man United on Thursday evening by four goals to two in their rearranged fixture. Leicester City are another one of them teams battling to secure Champions League qualification, and they also overcame United at the start of the week, putting themselves above Chelsea and Liverpool. And with Liverpool going into the game week 36, only four points behind Chelsea and six behind Leicester, 
They face already relegated West Brom tomorrow Sunday and will be short favourites to pick up three more points on the road. So it looks like things will definitely come down to the final weekend to see who will be playing in the elite level of European football next season. To rugby next and action on the pitch, Munster suffered their first defeat of the Rainbow Cup campaign going down to Connacht. Connacht came out 24 points to 20 victors with tries from Kieran Marmion, Conor Fitzgerald and former Munster centre Sammy Arnold. However, even with the defeat, Munster remained top of the table and stay in search of their first silverware in 10 years. Now off the pitch, there was the very welcoming news that television rights to the Six Nations will stay on free-to-air TV for the foreseeable future. The games will be shared between RT and Virgin Media, or TV3 as some of us still know it, and um, also there'll be coverage of both under-20s and women's tournaments too. And it was great to see a decision made to put the viewers and the people first before looking for profit from like a deal with the likes of Sky and BT, because... Like your Heineken Cup and pretty much all your football, those big TV companies have taken a stranglehold on live sporting events. So it was a huge step forward in growing the game here. And it was brilliant news for all parties, and particularly for the younger and older generations. If you think of the younger ones, kids of 7, 8, 9 will be able to watch their heroes and get engrossed into the game. Like kids at that age, boys and girls, are purely at the hands of what their parents have in terms of TV at home. Pretty much all families around the country have free-to-air or say view in their homes, but not all have those sports subscription channels. Some mightn't be fortunate enough to be able to afford them, and that's understandable. And kids that age wouldn't be very well walking down into the pub if it was on Sky or BT like a fellow would if he was 25 or 30. So it's great for them to be able to watch from the comfort of their own homes and grow an appreciation and a love for the game. And then on the other hand, you have the older generation. And like we all know, if we have a granny or a granddad, they probably have, you know, your RTEs, TV3 and TG Car, And they're quite content with that. And they'd be saying, sure, why would they want anything more, you know? But it's great for them too, because there's definitely those out there who would follow the Irish team and wouldn't really want to go to the hassle of getting a TV subscription or be getting one of the boxes. And because more than likely, problems with the remote would be a huge hurdle to overcome before anything is watched. But look, in all seriousness... It was great news to get during the week and definitely got a fantastic reaction and hopefully the rugby and the Six Nations is here to stay on free to air. So moving next to golf and what a week it was for the Irish and Irish golf as a whole. So before the finalisation of the Walker Cup on Sunday evening, we'll get to that in a bit, we had this. It's about two feet. For a big ovation and a welcome back. The roars have returned in golf. Yes, of course, the roars Jim Nance was referring to there were not only the roars of the crowds allowed back onto the course, but the re-emergence of Rory McIlroy, who's back to winning ways after his victory at the Wells Fargo Championship. It looked like the McIlroy of old. You could see with the return of the fans that Rory had that little bit of a hop in his walk and a little bit of a swagger back in his play. He's always well followed in state, so you can obviously see that extra bit of motivation fared him well. And another thing, he also had his old irons back in his bag, which was a huge factor in him winning his first PGA Tour trophy in 18 months and his 19th overall. But in typical Rory fashion, he didn't make it easy for himself. So 71 holes in... And with one of them to go, Rory only needed to make 
a bogey five on a par four 18th to win. And he needed every shot. Rory went the whole round bogey free and looked in a commanding position stepping onto the final tee box. But as tends to happen, those nerves start to creep in and decisions start to waver. Rory decided to take out his tree wood in hopes to avoid the water and the trouble down the left hand side of the fairway. Now, McElroy usually hits his tee shots with a fade. So for anyone who doesn't know what a fade is, for a right-hander, once the ball is struck, it starts out a small bit left and then comes back, swings back to the right. The perfect shot, really, for this hole. And what does Rory do? Big left hook into the penalty area. Well, he couldn't write it. So as he approached his ball, he noticed he potentially could get a club on it and knock it onto the fairway but the water was staring right at him. So after much deliberation with his caddy, Harry Diamond, Harry advised him that he only needed a five to win, and that taking a drop, hitting the ball off a better lie, and making the green, he'd have two putts to win the tournament. And that's exactly what happened. Rory took the drop, hit a magnificent iron to 40 foot, and then two putted to claim his victory and get back into the winner's circle. And with the PGA Championship just around the corner, we definitely could be seeing the re-emergence of the roars in golf. Now moving on to the Walker Cup, which was equally as exciting and intriguing. So for anyone that might never have heard the Walker Cup, what it is, is a match play tournament contested by amateur golfers from the US and Great Britain and Ireland. And we here in West Cork had representation from John Murphy and Kinsale. So there was definitely a local interest in one of golf's most prestigious events. The tournament was held in Seminole Golf Club in Florida. And going into the event, the Americans looked far the stronger side on paper. And one wondered, would it be a rout? Well, it was anything but that. But before any ball was hit, the tournament was put into disarray. As a tummy bug started to make its way around the camps and affected players on both sides. So in any other normal year, there'd only be the 10 competitors from each team travelling to the course. But because of the COVID pandemic and precautions that were made, there were alternates, and alternates were brought along with both teams. And that was the saving grace for the tournament. Players were subbed in at the last minute and allowed the tournament to get underway. And when it did get underway, what a fantastic tournament it was. In the Saturday foursomes, all four matches went down the 18th, with both sides winning two games each. Our own Irish duo of Mark Power and John Murphy came from three down to win on the last. It was fantastic viewing. And in the singles later in the evening, the Americans took the lead and went overnight leaders by seven points to five. And one kind of wondered, would they pull away on Sunday? But to the credit of the GBNI team, they stuck with it and managed to take the Sunday four-ball session two and a half to one and a half, with our Irish boys going two from two. But unfortunately, the US held on in the Sunday singles and retained the trophy, winning 14 points to 12. So in what was an incredible tournament and fantastic weekend of golf, I'm thrilled to say I'm joined from the US by a man who was in the tickety action, Kinsale's own John Murphy. John, how's the form? Uh, I'd imagine it's been a whirlwind of a week for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, busy. Just back to just back to um, where I go to college here now in Louisville. So, uh yeah, it's been busy. Uh, I haven't really had time to, to sit down and think about it yet, but God, it's, it's been a lot of fun. 
yeah, uh, understandable by understandable. And um, before we get in, into anything Walker Cup related, um, I'd like to know how you actually got into golf. Were you like Rory McIlroy hitting balls into the washing machine back in Kinsale, or were there other sports to keep you occupied when you were younger? No, not at all. I just I always like anything kind of with a with a stick or, or a ball. To be honest, like mm. you know, I always played hurling. I always played football. Um, any anything with a ball involved, I was I just wanted to play it. So I uh, yeah, I suppose I only got into golf when I was twelve or thirteen, and even at that age, I, I didn't really play competitively. I just kind of messed about with, with a few of my friends. Uh, Gary Ward from Kinsale brought me out for my first game when I was that age and uh, yeah kind of only really got into it then when I was 16 and I got a bit of an injury playing uh, GA and I couldn't really focus on, on that anymore so I had to turn my attention to golf and thankfully hasn't worked out too bad since. It definitely, definitely you could, uh, we could say that anyway but what was it made you say golf is the sport for me John and pursue it further? Um, I just to be honest, I just really started to enjoy the competitive side of it. I, when I was like 16, 17, I just started to travel more um, religiously around Ireland to play events. And I just really enjoyed going and competing. And um, yeah, I suppose just I enjoyed the, the process of getting better and the process of, uh, you know, when I saw myself improving, and when I saw myself getting better, that for me was just really enjoyable and um, made me realize that the, the work that I was putting in was paying off. And that was, just completely worth it for me and I just wanted to continue to do that and uh, yeah things, things haven't changed a bit since mm-hmm. Fair play and um, I suppose on the on-course success you've had a lot of success underage uh, and in amateur uh, golf but would it be fair to say that winning the St. Andrew Lynx Trophy was a real turning point in your career? Yeah I mean I'd always won a, a couple of like smaller events around Ireland like you know under 21 events and under 18 events and then Yes, yeah, certainly. I went over to St Andrews. I only just about got into the tournament. I was very lucky to actually get in. The Golf Union of Ireland had an exemption into it and uh, gave it to me. And you know, I was very lucky to even go over to to tee it up to play in it. And at the time for me, like playing an event like that was huge. Not to mm-hmm. mind winning it. So um, certainly, you know, after that week, things kind of, you know, that opened a few doors for me and uh, gave me some opportunities that I I never really thought I would have had. And then kind of thankfully pushed on from that. So yeah. Um, yeah, that certainly was a, a huge, a huge week in terms of my career. Yeah, fair play to you. And uh, you probably get, then came to the decision to move to the US to pursue collegiate golf uh, in the states. You study, as you mentioned, you're studying in Louisville. How tough was it for you to make that decision to move to college to uh, play golf um, collegiately? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I always loved just being at home. I loved growing up in Kinsale and Cork, and you know, I loved being in Ireland. And uh, I, to be honest, I wasn't sure I wanted to move away. I just, you know, I went to Maynooth for one year for my first year of university, and uh, I was there, and I just kind of figured that, you know, the, the, I mean, it was great while I was there. Um, but I figured if I really wanted to get out of my comfort zone and challenge myself to, to uh, get better, I thought the best opportunity I had to get better was to go over to the states. So I said, look, worst case scenario, I'll go over and I won't like it, and I can go home, you know after a semester or whatever but uh yeah thankfully just loved it as soon as i got over here fell in love with the place uh, and just enjoyed every second of college i've been here for four years now and i've you know i've enjoyed every second of it and i i'm just very uh thankful i suppose that i did make that decision to come over yeah it definitely was a tough decision to make especially at such a young age but um while you're over yeah. while you're over there you actually uh won a couple of competitions and of course you received the very prestigious award the Byron Nelson Award, and what's so impressive about that is that it recognises you for your contributions on and off the course. Uh, how honoured were you to accept that award? 
yeah, that's obviously, you know, something that was very satisfying for me because um, I, I was having a great year in terms of golf. I was obviously uh, in a very good frame of mind in terms of where my golf game was at, but to to know that I was having an impact off the golf course as well was very satisfying for me. And uh, that also opened, you know, a few more opportunities. People acknowledged how, how big a, a deal that was at the time. And, um, you know, in terms of being able to, I suppose, market myself as a golfer, that obviously helped a lot. Um, that you know, I can bring more than than just playing good golf to the table, which was uh, yeah, that was certainly very satisfying for me. And as I said, it opened a few opportunities, and or, yeah, it opened a few more doors for me. And you know, it's it's uh, given me my first guaranteed PJ Tour start, so that's a huge bonus to it. Yeah, and you you mentioned it there, the the Byron Nelson, you'd be invited to that. That competition is actually taking place at the moment. Uh, have you decided to postpone that until next year, or what's the decision? Yeah, I was allowed to uh, take up that invitation as a professional if I wanted to. So I went ahead and did that because it just made more sense. You know, obviously this week has been hectic with the Walker Cup and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So they uh, they extended the invitation to play it as a professional if I wanted to next year. And I obviously pounced on that. You know, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's a great opportunity to have to play a, a PJ Tour event as a professional. So yeah, I'm looking forward to, to that when the time comes. Right. Uh, now moving on to the Walker Cup. Um First of all, what was your reaction to getting selected, John? Uh, I suppose a bit of relief, really, um, in the beginning, because I mean, you know, I spent a whole, spent a whole, I suppose, year really just facing myself around the Walker Cup and just trying to uh, prepare for that, and at the same time, not trying to think about it every tournament I went to. But you know, it was always in the back of my mind. I was always thinking about it, and uh, you know, I really wouldn't. Uh, wouldn't have said that my amateur career was finished until I played a Walker Cup. So, um, yeah, that was certainly a, a huge relief to me. Uh, I think I'd, I played well at the right time I, uh, to get selected. You know, I knew that there were certain events that would matter a lot, and I played well at them, and I think I merited my place in the team. So, yeah, that was certainly uh, very satisfying for, for me and my family and my coaches. Yeah, definitely a huge honour and a, a feather in your cap, in here. But uh, moving on to the actual weekend itself and before any competitive shot was hit there was the panic and uncertainty brought over the tournament by the bug that was going around some players even had to go to hospital with it and you yourself were unfortunate to get it were what were the feelings in the camp like john and were you ever fearful yourself you mightn't even get to play yeah yeah absolutely we uh you know there was one point there um i think it was the thursday evening where we were all just told look go to your rooms and let's just isolate, try to stop this bug because at that point, eight people on either team were sick. Um, and, you know, there was only 12 of us there, like, so you couldn't play, you couldn't <laughs> play the match with four people on each team. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, at that point, everyone kind of panicked and I think we were really uh, worried about not being able to play at all. Um, and we were thinking about it, like, if it was, you know, if that happened two years ago when there was a virus going around, nobody would think twice, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think it was the fact that that this year had already been such a panic in terms of trying to get the match played with COVID that, you know, as soon as this came about, everybody kind of panicked. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, certainly, you know, that was a worrying night. I remember like probably three nights in a row, I was just waking up in the middle of the night and checking my phone to see, all right, who's gone now next? Who's sick Jeez. now? So, you know, Mark actually, Mark Power didn't get sick at all. And I remember the Friday, the night before the tournament started, it, you know, I was obviously meant to be playing foursomes with him, and I remember just checking my phone, just praying he wouldn't be sick. But uh, thankfully, he didn't get sick at all, and it worked out in the end. So we got to play, which was an achievement in itself. Yeah, it's something you don't really plan for, but it was, I suppose, in essence, helpful that 
the when you think of the COVID that you had the extra alternates, witchy, you know, the way that um, without them, I'd say the tournament would definitely been in doubt because they are definitely came in handy. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, the fact that they just, I mean, they never bring alternates to the Walker Cup. It just happens to be because of COVID. So, I mean, the fact that they were there was just very lucky in itself because I think everybody, like, everybody could have played the, the Saturday morning, but I don't think everybody was ready to play, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so having them there and, you know, the USGA and the RNA did a great job in terms of adjusting the rules to allow us to bring in the reserves for sickness. Um, and, you know, Jake Bolt and our reserve came in and in fairness, he, he got us a point. The only point he played, he, he won. So, uh, that was huge for us. Um, helped our momentum, or yeah, helped keep our momentum that morning. And, you know, uh, it allowed kind of whoever was sick on the sidelines to just take a rest and, uh, get ready for the next match. So, yeah, that was certainly a, a big plus for us. Definitely. And, um, the course itself, then John Seminole in Florida, uh, it has great history, of course, and, uh, the world's best to play there, but even watching the TV, it looked incredibly daunting. What was it like to play it? Yeah, it certainly got tougher as the week went on. I mean, we got there and it was fine. The greens were quick, but it wasn't firm or anything. And then just as the week went on and it started to get burnt out and the greens got slicker. I mean, it was... They were the fastest greens I've ever heard of, not the one yeah. played on. They were running they were running at 16 in the stint meter, which I know is probably... It doesn't mean a lot to you, but I mean, that's just mm-hmm. mental. Like, so... Um, yeah, certainly uh, an experience that I haven't had before, having to adjust and try put on greens like that. But uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the kind of challenge and embracing that. And yeah, uh, just a shame we couldn't get it done in the end. But I mean, the Americans are certainly more suited to that kind of style of golf. Yeah, you, d- you definitely pushed them hard, didn't you? But when the, when the tournament actually did get underway and, and moving back to the Saturday... Uh, when it did finally get underway, yourself and, as you mentioned there, your teammate Mark, you've uh, formed a formidable team. But would I be right in saying that wasn't the first time you'd played together before competitively? Yeah, no, I met Mark for the first time in McCroom when I was, uh, I think I was 15, he was 13. And it was my first ever real competition, I think, in Ireland. And uh, he was already turning heads at that age, you know, he was this prodigy and Mm-hmm. Sure, I was just there for for a walk in the park, like you know. And then, <laughs> as time went on, and I started to make a couple of Irish teams when I was seventeen or eighteen, you know, I obviously knew who he was. I'd say he didn't have much of an idea who I was at the start, but uh, as time went on, we kind of got to know each other, and we clicked as a foursome thing straight away when we were underage. And uh, we're just, you know, really good friends. We get on great. We have very similar personalities and very similar um, golf games, really. So I mean, it just worked out perfectly in the end. I could tell that we were going to be. Uh, we were going to be a great pair and thankfully we were and managed to get it done Yeah, coming down the stretch which was very satisfying. Definitely and as you mentioned it there now coming down the stretch you were you were three down on Saturday and came back to win on the 18th. Um, what were the nerves like standing over the final putt because those greens as you said yourself those greens were something else and there wasn't many gimmies so like what were the nerves like you know standing over that fella that six footer on Saturday? Yeah, it was funny, like, because, you know, Mark had been flawless all day and his pace putting was perfect and he left me stone dead. I, I didn't even have to hit a second putt, I don't think, because uh, his pace putting was so good. And then he just leaves me this rotten little putt down the hill on the last to win. And I was like, come on, like, why yeah. just do this to me? But, uh, yeah, no, thankfully, I mean, he said to me before he he was like, look, how many times are you standing? You can say, oh, it's your putting ring with your friends just knocking these putts in for fun. So mm-hmm. let's just do it again. And I was like, yeah, you know what, you're right. So I just didn't think about it too much, stood up and knocked it in and yeah thankfully the nerves weren't running too high that I couldn't hit the putt because 
uh, over the first tee shot, it was certainly, uh, you know, I couldn't feel much of the club head. I was a bit nervous, but it was, I was all right in 18. By the time I got there, it settled in and I was uh, ready to play. Yeah, you showed no signs of nerves anyways. And um, then on Sunday's four ball, you went up the last again on 18 and you hit an incredible iron shot to seal it and make it two for two for the Irish boys. But uh, I suppose it would have been nice to have your friends or family there and to be in there behind the 18 green, you know, with the tricolour. And I'd say that's probably one thing you'd have liked to have over there, John, to be fair to say. Yeah, well, Shane Fitzsimons, who's from Kinsale, uh, lives in South Carolina now, came down with his son Owen and Paul Buckley from Cork Golf Club was there as well. So, you know, I had a couple of people that I knew. Um, he brought over the Kinsale Golf Club flag and the Kilkenny flag from Mark Bauer. So, you know, that was obviously, uh, it was great to have somebody at least that we were familiar with. But certainly, yeah, it was tough. Uh, you know, it was tough enough as it was with the Americans having the home advantage and having the crowds cheering for them. So, um I suppose it was satisfying in one sense that the two Irish lads could, you know, make their mark and, and let everyone know who they were as a, as a fortunate pairing. That was pretty nice for us to be able to do that and uh, try and uh, get, swing the momentum to side because we got put out first on that Sunday. So um, that was certainly important that we that we got that point to get a bit of momentum going. But yeah, no, absolutely. It would have been great to have my, my family there and, and even a couple of my friends. You know, I'd say a few people would have come over for it. So it was just a shame that that, that wasn't uh, feasible this year. But... It is what it is. I'm just glad we got to play in the end. Yeah, to be fair, you did you did do him proud. And um, obviously the singles didn't go as well as you would have liked. But overall, what would you have taken from the weekend? Um, to be honest, I haven't really had time to even think about it yet. But I mean, it was just... First, I just feel very kind of lucky that I got six here and something like that. Because I mean, that was just... That's the stuff that, like, you grow up dreaming about, you know what I mean? Like, when you're 16, 17, you're just thinking of, or you're picturing yourself in situations like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you've, you're standing on the range hitting golf balls and you're just picturing yourself in positions like that. Like, it's, you know, so I feel very lucky that I got to experience that. And I was actually very surprised at how, um, just how relaxed I was in that environment. You know, I wasn't sure with the amount of people and cameras and, you know, I knew everybody back home was watching. I knew there was, you know, thousands and thousands of people in Ireland watching, you know, I wasn't sure how I'd uh, react to that, but just, like, I kind of got in the moment and just kind of uh, zoned in and didn't really have, have any outside distractions, and that's one thing I kind of gathered from that, is that, you know, it's not as uh, daunting or intimidating as I thought it was in the end of the day, it's just just hitting another goal shot time after time, so um, yeah, I kind of just stuck to that throughout the weekend and managed to stay relaxed that way. Fair play, that's a tough enough thing to do, to stay in a good mental state of mind, but you, you handled yourself very well, and Finally, I suppose, John, um, what are the goals for the future? So I suppose turning pro will be the main one. Yeah, so I'll be turning pro probably over summer um, and starting off on, you know, a few challenge tour events and stuff like that and see how things go. But yeah, hopefully, I mean, if you're good enough at golf, there'll be room on tour for you. So I suppose the, the goal is to just keep getting better and just um, enjoy the process of it. And trying to, I suppose, yeah, it's, it's the main goal is to end up playing golf for a living and that's what I'm here to do and uh, hopefully things keep working out for me wouldn't be a bad life at all and before you go no. John um, would you have any golf tips for a hacker like myself who goes out once in a blue moon I uh, just hit it hard hit, hit, it, hit hard. it hard hit it hard and far yeah that's if the... it doesn't go straight make sure it goes far that's the job <laughs> we'll note that now for the next time sound John <laughs> oh yeah I'm still saying that to myself don't worry <laughs> yeah I'll take it now to the course the next day look <laughs> appreciate you appreciate you joining me bye all right, thanks a million, Sean. Thanks for the phone call. Looking forward then to this weekend, and in GA we have the return of the big ball. 
as the football league season starts up again. There's also a full slate of hurling fixtures and here locally our Cork hurlers will face off against Tipperary this evening and our Gaelic footballers will play Kildare. In football across the water there's the Premier League and also the small matter of the FA Cup later on today where Chelsea will face off against Leicester City in what's sure to be a very tightly contested game. In golf, as mentioned with John, the AT&T Byron Nelson is taking place at the moment and there's also horse racing with Ascot and Nace and in basketball, the final few games of the NBA regular season will take place. So that's it from me this weekend. Thanks for listening in. I'm Sean Holland and this is West Cork FM.